0: Matthew chapter five, verse nine. For those of you who can stand, if you're not able to, you may be seated. But for the, those young people and young at heart, you may stand, please. As we read the word of God, it's five nine right now. And then we're going to be first. Then we're going to be um, first. Samuel chapter twenty six, first twelve verses. Matthew chapter five, verse nine. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Again, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. This is the 7th if I'm correct of the beatitudes. Turn to you, in your Bibles over to 1 Samuel chapter 26 verses 1 through 12. 1 Samuel chapter 26, verses 1 through 12. And this is how it reads out of the NIV. The Ziphites went to Saul at Gibeah. Let me I'll still. Let me just pause for a minute. Here page is turning. 1 Samuel 26, beginning in verse 1. The Ziphites went to Saul at Gibeah and said, Is not David hiding on the hill of um, Hakilah, or Achila? which faces Jeshimon. So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with his 3,000 chosen men of Israel to search there for David. Saul made his camp beside the road on the hill of Hekilah facing Jeshimon. David stayed in the desert. When he saw that Saul had followed him there, he sent out scouts and learned that Saul had, had definitely arrived. Then David sent out, excuse me, then David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, had lain down. Saul was lying inside the camp with the army encamped around him. David then asked Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Abishai, son of Zariah, Joab's brother, who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I'll go with you, said Abishai. So David and Abishai went to the army by night. And there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Verse 8. Abishai said to David, today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come, and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head, and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew about it. Nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. You may be seated. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. When we consider the Beatitudes and Jesus on the mount, We had noted that Jesus had sat down as he took his position as the teacher. It was customary for those who are rabbis and teachers to sit while the folk stood. Be glad that I'm not having you stand throughout the entirety of this sermon. (laughs) But it was customary for those that were teachers to sit. And so we have been noting that Jesus took his position of authority and sat down to teach his disciples. And there happened to be the people that, would, that came up to this mount to hear him. And so from chapters 5 6, 7, you find what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're going to look at the story, briefly, of David, who is not yet king, but whom the Lord has anointed to be the next king. David is on the run from Saul. And, and as David is on the run... David is on the run because Saul is out to kill him. He's out to take his life. Not because of anything wrong that David has done, but because God's anointing has departed from Saul and the Lord's anointing rests upon David. Saul had an evil spirit that would plague him from time to time and David had been hired as his musician to comfort and to play music that would soothe him and bring peace to his soul. Do you not know that music can have an effect upon you? Music can make you feel good. (laughs) It can make you feel sad. Music can make you feel mad. Music can make you, as I said, feel glad. (laughs) Music has a way of Setting the mood and setting the tone for certain things. And if you're not careful, the wrong type of music will cause you to do things that you shouldn't do and to have thoughts. So kids and teenagers that listen to certain types of music, when they say, I don't listen to the words, I only listen to the beat. You're lying. There's no way to listen and not have the words to penetrate your very being. And so when people say, I only listen to the beat of the song, do you not know that the words are still getting in there? I told you all not long ago, when I'm sometimes learning a song, I've got to go over that song over and over again. And man, that night, that song is running through my mind that I can't even sleep. I don't make no difference if I put the, the pill over my head. That song is running through my mind. There may be something that you even saw during the day. That thought, that scene is running through your mind. What we expose ourselves to will have an effect upon our very lives. Saul decided that he would not obey God, and God left Saul. And so David, being a man that had been anointed by God, Saul seeing this, sought to kill him because he knew that David was anointed to be the next king. And he set out to kill him. When we think about, and as our first point, I want you to consider that Saul pursuing David and David the peacemaker. When David was on the run, he had to consider that he had left family, he left friends, he had left the comforts of home because somebody was after him. It wasn't even a person that wasn't, was his enemy. It was a person that, had, that, that, that was his father-in-law. It was a family member. And yet David had to flee Because Saul saw something in David that irked him. Saw the presence of God. There were at least 20 different times, according to Dr. John Bullitt, where Saul tried to kill David. 20 different, at least 20 different times, where Saul attempted to kill David. Few of them where he hurled his... His javelin at him to pin him to the wall. When we consider that David was a man that was being sought and that he would not take matters into his own hands, we've got to recognize that David had something going for him. And David was not going to take the throne by force, he refused to touch the Lord's anointed. Now, I want you to understand this. As we read in 1 Samuel, the Bible says the Ziphites went to Saul at Gibeah. Now, David was from the tribe of Judah, right? The Ziphites who went to Saul were his kinsmen. The Ziphites were Israelites. They went to Saul and told Saul where David was. Now you can expect that of your enemy, that your enemy would go and rat you out. But you wouldn't expect that of your kinsmen. Now, 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 now understand, this is the second time that they did this. On the first occasion, David was on one side of the mountain, And Saul was on the other side of the mountain pursuing and closing in. And the Lord gave word by a messenger to Saul. Saul, the Philistines are attacking. The Bible says that David broke off, excuse me, Saul broke off the chase of David and went to fight the Philistines. You see, that's what God would do. When the enemy is closing in and it doesn't look like you're going to escape. God provides an escape for you. You see, in your lives, God has given some of you escape routes. But you fail to take the exit. You you see, it's like when you're traveling down the road. And and when you're in that fast lane and you recognize my exit is coming up, I've got to start moving over if I'm going to make the exit. Now, some of y'all, I know what y'all do. Y'all stay in the fast lane. Until you about a hundred feet from the exit, and then you dash across all the lanes. Cars honking at you, and you honking right back. I know you, trying to get off the exit. But you see, it would make sense to begin to move over so that you can properly. Take the exit because you know that your exit is coming. You see, you got to be careful because if you bypass the exit that God sets in place, there may not be another exit down the road. If you see that God has given you a way out and you don't take it, you might be in trouble. David refused to harm Saul. So the Lord sent a messenger the first time and said, Hey, the Philistines are coming. Are in town, we need you to come back. And the Bible says he broke off. Then we come to this place here where David again is on the run and the Ziphites go and they tell Saul again. Now if you look back at chapter 23 of 1 Samuel, you, you'll see another group of individuals where they are also the family members of David. When David was, it was, was in this city... And had gone there, Saul had found that he was there, and Saul went after him, and he inquired of the Lord. And and David said, Lord, will the people turn me over? Even though David hadn't done anything wrong. He was trying to be a peacemaker. And the Lord told David, yes, they're going to turn you over. The Bible says that David left. You see, when there is an exit... You gotta be ready to take it. Some of y'all, I know some of y'all just tough. Ain't nobody gonna run me off nowhere. I'm saying right here. Let them come. The Lord sometimes gives you a route to take because there's danger. And if you are going to be a peacemaker, there are certain things that you gotta do that's different than anybody else. You've got to be willing to do that which allows for there to be peace even when somebody may be seeking your very life. So David takes off, and then we find that Saul comes to him. Now, I need to also mention this to you. This is the second time in chapter 26 of 1 Samuel where David has spared Saul's life. He's going to spare his life. We didn't read that part. But but I want you to note here that the Ziphites went to Saul at Gibeah and said, Is not David hiding in the hills of Kilah, which faces faces Jeshimon? So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph. So you, you recognize, even though some people have been delivered over and over again from their troubles, they don't stop to give God the glory and the honor and go right back into the same thing again. Don't you know that God's grace and His provisions and His mercy is to keep you from going back into the same thing that you just got yourself out of? And there's times when we just bypass what God does and head back and do the exact same thing over. Even though God has given His grace and has given His mercy to us, we find ourselves right back in the same pit, begging and crying for God to get us out. Now, because David is doing the will of God, because he's a man after God's own heart, David refuses to kill Saul the first time when he was in the cave. Now there's a second opportunity, and the Bible says, look at this is, at here, verse 4, when David finds, that, finds out that Saul's on his way, David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Sir, the commander of the army, had lain down. There's some investigation that you need to sometimes make when somebody has given you information. Amen. You see, I think it was wise of David to go investigate this situation. Yeah. Why? Because he was told that by, by someone that the Ziphites were, by the Ziphites who went to go tell Saul that Saul was come. You see, that means that there had to be somebody that was on David's side who warned him. Everybody was not out to get David. And so somebody said, David, Saul is on his way. And David wisely sends out somebody and says, go check it out. You see, that's what a wise person will do. They'll say, go investigate. I know some of y'all, some of y'all, y'all don't investigate. Y'all take everything y'all hear. I don't care if they say that about me, I'm going to get them. investigate when David finds that it's true David been a military man the Bible says that he took note of where Saul was I think as Christians we got to be so very careful if you know the Lord so very careful some of some people that are Christian sometimes don't use the wisdom that God gives what do I mean because we're Christian, sometimes we say, oh, God's going to work it all things out. I don't have to plan. I don't have to do anything. The Lord is just going to do it. And there's no preparation that's made. There's no planning. There's nothing that, that we do to utilize and to use what God has given us. There's nothing wrong with planning. David was a strategic man. He was a military man. He took note of his surroundings. he noted. Where Saul would be. He knew that the army freed 3,000 men out to seek him. Come out to get him. David had a band of men between four to 600. I'm going to note where he is. He's planning. He's looking. But David's planning is not for the purpose of destroying or killing the king. There's times when exposure is necessary. There's times when something must be exposed. You must take inventory. You must pay attention because you want to take inventory of what something is so that you can know how you're going to handle the situation. How am I going to address this particular matter? What can I do to ensure that I'm a peacemaker rather than a troublemaker? Tell you, when I was a kid growing up, I looked for trouble sometimes. Yeah, I know y'all y'all look for trouble too, so don't be looking at me all funny. <laughs> Nobody gonna run over me. am that's, that's right. Go ahead and mess with me, mess with you, mess with me if you want to. It'd be you and me. But there are times where we have to take inventory, not for the purpose of fighting, but for the purpose of exposing. For the purpose of showing forth the glory of God. So it's Saul has come and David has taken note. We note that the Bible says that what David does, he takes note of where he is, and the Bible says that at nighttime he goes into the camp. Now I want you to note, he asks individuals in his camp, who's willing to go with me? There's a song that we sing, I went to the enemy's camp and took back... What he stole from me. But I, I, I want you to note this here, though. David, in planning to go to the enemy that was seeking him, wasn't really David's enemy, but it was for the purpose of doing something to show the mercy and the grace of God. You see, when somebody has talked about you and you haven't done anything, Sometimes the Lord will allow a situation to arise that will show that you know what? You are really innocent in all of this. So Abishai says, David, I'll go. Abishai was a great military man. How many of y'all saw that movie 300? Deep. I mean, they had hand-to-hand combat. David was a great military man. Abishai, great military man. The Bible says they went into the camp At night, he says, I'll go. Which brings me to the second point. Peace pursued when the flesh rises up. Peace pursued when the flesh rises up. Abishai is not the anointed one, but he is a tremendous loyal servant to the anointed one, which is David. Abishai is not the anointed one to be king, but he is with the one to be king. It requires restraint when your enemy has been given into your hands that you make the right decision. When opportunities happen and the enemy has been placed into your hands, it requires that you make the right decision. While it was Saul trying to kill David and pursuing him, it required the man whom the Spirit of the Lord had not departed to be the peacemaker when the flesh of his loyal follower Encouraged him to take advantage and misuse what God had given him. It was Abishai that says, "It's the God has allowed your enemy to be placed in your hand, and if you're not careful, you will take that and then you're going to make the wrong decision." You see, David said, "We're not going to kill him." Abishai says, "I'll strike him only one time. That's all I need." <laughs> Oh y'all! Some of y'all said, I just need five minutes with that person. Some of y'all even said, I just need one minute. <laughs> it was the one that was anointed. When the flesh of the other stood up. You know when your flesh stands up and says, you don't need to let people talk to you that way. You need to do something about that. Abishai rises up. And it takes the anointing to say, we're not going to do that. When your flesh says, you need to handle your own business, the Spirit says, we want God to be glorified. When the flesh says, you know what? God has allowed your enemy to be placed right in front of you. Take him out. The anointed says, how can we show forth the glory of God so that all the honor goes to him? Opportunities that God gives you are not for you to get revenge, but to show forth the glory of the Almighty God. The Lord in creating the circumstances that not one of the 3,000 men woke up is incredible. All the soldiers were surrounding David, or surrounding Saul rather. These soldiers would 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 be placed around him so that if anybody tried to get to the king, they got to get through the soldiers. Now I'm going to say this. David had to be very, very, very Quiet and, and swift and sneaky. You know, when, when Saul went to get him the first time, the Bible says that he went into a cave to use the bathroom. And David and all of his men were back in that cave. And when Saul had come into the cave alone, you know what the whispers were? God has given you your enemy into your hands. Take him out. David said, no. But what David did, the Bible says that he crept up quietly. Cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And when Saul left and got in a little distance, David came out of the cave and called out King Saul and bowed down. And David then told him and said, Saul, after he was grief stricken for what he did, the Lord placed you in my hands today, and my men were telling me to kill you, but I wouldn't touch the Lord's anointed. The Lord has called me to be a peacemaker. Here, is the evidence, I have a part of your robe. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't even have cut off your robe, Saul. The Bible says that Saul basically tells David that he's a man better than him, and the Bible says that Saul went on back home. Now, one would think that if your life has been spared, leave the brother alone. Leave him alone. And so Saul has a short memory. You see, when a person hasn't really repented, They'll go back and do the same thing again. That's why people can come to church and say, I'm saved, and go back and do the same thing. No change, no conversion. No, 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 don't get quiet on me. <laughs> Your salvation leads to a changed life. Salvation requires that there is a change that occurs in you, in me. You know me, y'all wouldn't be following me if I was out there still doing every type of thing I used to do when I grew up. Even though I didn't do a whole lot, I did some stuff. (laughs) And I ain't telling you. There needs to be a change. It doesn't mean your flesh don't rise up. But it means you make a different decision. David spared him, and then Saul would have, should have known, don't go back. And then here he is a second time. And on this time, as he's in this camp, it's incredible to me how David, he could stealthily, he kind of, he kind of is stealth, walk through the camp and not kick a soldier. 3,000 men around. And then there's a conversation that happens right in the midst. And when Abishai says, man, God has given you, I got my sword, I'll pin him to the ground right now. Just give me the word. My, da- my, my spear is ready to go. David goes, no. Get the water jug. Get his spear. And let's go. The Bible says that the the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. (laughs) Now Saul was the one pursuing David. And David was put into a deep sleep. And Saul had come. Saul would have killed him right then. But David's a different man. David's a peacemaker. Abishai. Is a man of the flesh that will tell you, get him. But at the same time, Abishai is also a man that's loyal and will then follow the instructions of his leader. They grabbed the water, they grabbed the spear, and then the Bible said they did something very interesting, very, very smart. They got a long distance away in this canyon, and then they called out, Abner! Abner, who was Abner? Abner was the king's commander of the army. He's the one that's sitting there, laying there. And he says, you ought to die for what you've done. Somebody came into the camp to kill the king. And through this conversation, Abner yelled that who is that that speaks to the king? And this conversation wakes up King Saul. Abner, what you've done... Is not okay. Now get the scene here. In these canyons or in these areas, you could be a long distance away because of the echo and carry on a conversation. And so David gets a long distance away, and then Saul wakes up and he recognizes the voice. Is that my son, David? (laughs) Yeah, give me a break. Yeah, right. That's like some people been talking about you all week and they come. Oh, how you doing? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Come on now. David first confronts Abner because it is Abner's responsibility to protect the king. So what happens? Number one, there's no guard that is put on post to stay awake and stay alert to guard the king. That's a failure. The second thing is that David sneaks in an enemy. If he was an enemy, he could have taken the king out. Abner's job should have been to protect the king, and it was. He didn't do his job. What happens? What is going on? God is allowing David to be the very one to show that he's the peacemaker. Saul had been the one chasing David. And in this situation, in this situation, with this canyon between them, David calls out to Saul and to Abner. And in the calling out, Saul recognizes is that, is that you, my son, David? And David tells him what happens. The Bible says that's from that point on, if you read the story, that Saul no longer pursued him. Now I want you to understand the scene that happened. When David stood on the other side, David said, send one of your men to get your things. The sword that is taken is for protection. When the sword is taken, it was Saul's protection that was removed. The water, if we think about the water, that which sustains life, was removed. When we think about the Holy Spirit, it was the Lord who had left Saul. The Holy Spirit, oftentimes represented by the dove, the, the oil. He, is the, he, he helps us to recognize that we need the Lord. Saul's protection has been removed. His source of life has been removed. But in David's desire to show that he is not the one guilty of trying to kill Saul, I've done you no harm. I spared your life. The second time, allow your men to come and get your items. David showed wisdom and saying, allow your men. He didn't say, Saul, you come and get it. David learned to understand that Saul was not a man of his word. From that time on, the Bible says that Saul stopped at that point from chasing David. How many of you are peacemakers so that when your enemies come, you don't try to get them and get even. You try to say, How can God's glory show through this? How many of you give your enemies water when they need it? How many of you see your enemy out your his track and the car broken down and stop to help them fix the flat tire? Good for them. <laughs> the Lord has gotten you back from messing with me. Bye. Drive on. Be careful. Because your job Your responsibility is to be a peacemaker. David was a peacemaker. If God has anointed you and has given you his his word, you don't have to try to fight your way to have it revealed or to have it come about. God will create the opportunities for it to be be seen. The Lord told David, you're going to be the king, David. But it was many, many, many years. As I close, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Of all the Beatitudes, the seven Beatitudes that we have gone through, there is a personal responsibility. You have a personal responsibility to do something and to allow the Lord to use you. You've got to recognize your condition. It's the Lord that does the work. In your very life. And all these beatitudes, these blessings, happy is the person, blessed is the one who allows the Lord to do the work in their life. Today as we get older, I am convinced that people say, Oh, I still got time. Oh, I still got time. I got time. I got time. I've got time. No rush. No, no reason to change anything that I'm doing. One day I'm going to make a change. One day I'm going to do things differently. One day I'm really going to let God have His way in my life. One day I'm going to let this anger go. One day I'm going to stop holding this grudge I've been holding for the last 20 years. One day. And yet there's no preparation to do anything about it. Do you not know To be a peacemaker requires work, requires a great effort. You don't become a peacemaker by just sitting down. Today there's all kind of talk about peacemaking in the world. They ain't going to have no peace because they don't have the peacemaker. They don't have the king of peace. Here they are trying to establish agreements and make peace and yet won't acknowledge the king of glory. You can't have peace without the Savior. Stand to your feet. David refused to take matters in his own hand, even though God had placed his enemy right there. Yet, David says, I will not touch the Lord's anointing. I'm going to do what honors the Lord. How many of you are doing what the Lord has called you to do? How many of you have somebody that's been pursuing you, been just on your last nerve? And you are planning and scheming how to get even. You, you, you sit up at nighttime thinking, what can you do? You just, you just have all types of things and thoughts going through your mind of what you're going to do. And then when you see the person, your, your, your spirit begins to boil. Begins to just, oh, there they are. What they smiling about? Hmm. To be a peacemaker requires work. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons, children of God. Today, Lord, we pray for those who don't know you in this place. They'll recognize that there is no peace without the Savior. That they'll understand they can't take matters, and we can't take matters into our own hands, and expect to get the type of results that will bring God you all the honor and all the glory. Our prayer in this place is that we will be true peacemakers because we want to be God-honoring. We want to see the King glorified. Where there has been areas in our life that we have allowed the enemy to speak to the flesh, where the flesh rises up, and tells us to do something contrary to the will of God, where we know that God is speaking, and yet we sin, I don't want to give in. We pray that we will watch what we say and do, that we will be peacemakers for the kingdom of God, so that God will be glorified. We pray today for your help. Is there anybody in this place who has never accepted the Lord? Say, you know what? I just need to accept God. I've never come to the Lord. I'm not going to keep you long. It, it requires that you just say, Lord, I, would you forgive me of my sins? And then it requires you to allow the, the Lord to do the cleansing in your life. Anybody in this place that has not accepted the Lord? says, it's time for me. Yes. Raise your hand. And say, you know what? I need to accept the Lord. In this place today, Lord, we pray that people will know that we're going to stand before you one day to give an account. And as we stand, will the thought come to mind I was in a service, had the opportunity, and didn't take it? The exit off of this fast road, Lord, must be taken and come to you. So we pray today that you will. Help us to choose those things that will allow the peace of God to shine forth. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you later this week. All right. Amen. Amen. God bless you.